Hi, my name is Amanda Glover and I'm an Associate Solicitor in the Employment Team at Clark's Legal. This is the third podcast in Clark's Legal's Tupi podcast series. In our previous two podcasts, we discussed the two types of transfer under Tupi, a business transfer and a service provision change. We then reviewed two of the key requirements for a service provision change, namely the requirement for the client to remain the same pre and post transfer and for activities to remain fundamentally the same. This third podcast will focus on another key element of a service provision change. This is the requirement that immediately before the service provision change, there must be an organised grouping of employees situated in Great Britain, which has as its principal purpose the carrying out of the activities concerned on behalf of the client. So, this requirement can be broken into four points. One, there has to be an organised grouping. Two, the grouping must be situated in Great Britain. Three, it must have the activities as its principal purpose. And finally, four, it must be in place immediately before the transfer. So we'll look at each of these elements in turn. Firstly, the requirement for there to be an organised grouping. This is intended to confine TUPI to situations where the transferor, i.e. the outgoing provider, has in place a team of employees that are essentially dedicated and deliberately organised to provide the activities to the client. If activities are provided by employees ad hoc without a dedicated team, then TUPI will not apply. It's not sufficient that the employees in question happen to spend all of their time working for the benefit of a particular client. There must have been a deliberate decision taken by the employer to organise the employees to work for that client. Essentially, employees must be organised by reference to the requirements of the client and be identifiable as members of that client's team. By way of example, in the case of Eddie Stobart Limited and Mormon and others, there were 35 claimants all employed by Eddie Stobart. At the relevant time, the employees who worked during the day worked on a contract for a company called Vion, and employees who worked on night shifts worked on a contract for another client. The Vion contract was awarded to another provider. Eddie Stobart claimed that the 35 claimants, who were all day workers who had spent more than 50% of their time on the Vion contract, must transfer to the new provider under Tupi. The new provider did not accept this and the individuals were left without an employer and, as usually happens in these situations, the employees pursued claims against both Eddie Stobart and the new provider. The Tribunal and later the Employment Appeal Tribunal, which we'll refer to as the EAT going forwards, found that TUPI did not apply on the basis that there was no organised grouping. The employees spent the majority of their time on the Vion contract only by chance as they worked during the day. Thus, the only deliberate organising that had taken place was to put them on day shifts and not to align them to the Vion contract specifically. It's important to note that case law has established that a single employee can be an organised grouping. However, this does not mean that an individual who works 100% of their time on the contract will always be an organised grouping. You must look at the facts and decide who has been deliberately organised in line with the client's requirements 
And if there is a team that has been deliberately organised, you need to then consider them as a whole. I'd now like to go through the case of Seawell Limited and Siva Freights UK Limited and another to illustrate this point. This also leads us on to the second point I wanted to run through with you, the requirement that the organised grouping has the activities as its principal purpose. The claimant in this case worked for SEVA as part of an outbound group comprised of eight employees. SEVA also had an inbound team. The claimant spent 100% of his time on the relevant activities, whereas the other seven employees in the outbound team only spent between 10-30% to 30 of their time on the activities. When the activities were transferred to a new provider, SEVA argued the claimant should transfer under TUPI. The tribunal agreed, reminding itself that a single employee can be an organised grouping. However, the EAT overturned this and decided that TUPI did not apply. The EAT noted that the only groupings that had been deliberately put together by SEVA were the outbound and inbound teams. The claimant was not an organised grouping himself, but part of the outbound team. Then, looking at the next part of the test, it could not be said that the activities were the outbound team's principal purpose, given that most of the team worked elsewhere for the majority of their time, and therefore 2P did not apply. That brings us nicely onto the requirement that the activities are the principal purpose of the organised grouping. We have seen from the Sewell case that it is the principal purpose of the group that must be examined at this stage. In later podcasts, we'll cover who transfers and look at assessing whether an individual is assigned to the organised grouping. But this comes later and it's always important to identify the organised grouping and its principal purpose before you turn to the question of assignment. The purpose does not have to be the group's sole purpose, but it should be its main purpose. A further point on the principal purpose test comes from the case of Tees, Esk and Ware Valley's NHS Foundation Trust and Harland. In this case, the EAT held that, when determining the principal purpose of a grouping, it is relevant to consider both the employer's intention behind organising the grouping and the activities carried out immediately before the change of service provider. It recognised that the principal purpose of a grouping may change over time, and so it needs to be looked at at the point of transfer. In this case, the relevant activities were the provision of care to a patient with severe learning disabilities. The care was initially provided by 27 individuals. The patient's condition gradually improved, and the team caring for him reduced to 11 people, who also cared for other patients located in the same building and in fact spent the majority of their time doing this work for the other patients. The EAT held that the principal purpose of an organised grouping of employees is fact-sensitive. It found no issue with the tribunal's findings that over time the requirement for employees to care for the patient had diminished. Caring for the patient did continue to be a subsidiary purpose of the grouping, but at the point of transfer it was not the principal purpose of the group. The principal purpose was providing care to the other patients. Now we'll just briefly touch on the two other requirements I mentioned earlier. So namely that the organised group is situated in Great Britain and that it is in place immediately before the transfer. Given the wording, TUPI will clearly apply to transfers within Great Britain or from Great Britain. However, it would not apply to transfers into Great Britain from elsewhere. 
However, it's always worth noting that there may be local laws that apply in those situations, particularly for EU countries, which will adopt TUPI in some form or another. Regardless of the requirement for the organised grouping to be situated in Great Britain, a transfer can occur where some of the employees in, the, in that grouping ordinarily work outside of Great Britain. So by way of example, if you have an organised grouping of 10 employees and one of the employees works from home, which is outside of Great Britain, then TUPI can still apply. However, if the whole team worked outside of Great Britain, then TUPI would not apply. Under TUPI, the organised grouping must be situated in Great Britain immediately before the transfer, but the statutory wording does not in indicate whether or not the group must actually be carrying out the activities at that time. Case law has indicated that temporary cessations of work, whether this be due to a downturn in work required or a contract dispute, will not necessarily prevent TUPI from applying as the wording strictly does not require that the employees be working immediately before the alleged service provision change in order to be an organised grouping. Now, there may be cases where temporary downturn in work will be sufficient to dissolve an organised grouping, but this is dependent on the facts and will not always be the case. Despite the wording used here, it is worth noting as well that the same protection applies to Northern Ireland. So that brings us to the end of this podcast. I hope you found it helpful. The next podcast in the series will be focusing on the two exceptions under TUPI where a service provision change will not be found, even if the other tests are satisfied. For example, a single specific event or tasks of short-term duration and the supply of goods for the client's own use. Many thanks for listening to this podcast.